Welcome to the It Is Written podcast. As doubts about God's will arise, the world resorts to feelings and experts. We go to the law and to the testimony of God's word. In today's episode, we're going to be in the first six chapters of the book of Nehemiah. What lessons can we learn from a man who was moved by zeal and compassion to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? So Babylon conquered Judah and took them into captivity. And a few decades later, Persia conquered Babylon and let the conquered peoples go back home. So they allowed the Jews, any who wanted to, to go back to Jerusalem. About 50,000 did initially, and then more in later uh, voyages. And they rebuilt the temple after about 20 years, which gave God a house in Jerusalem. But they did not re-erect the walls around Jerusalem, which made it very vulnerable to attack or to anything that would happen. And that was really kind of a, a sad thing, a disgrace, really, to the house of God. It made it vulnerable to attack. And so that's the background. Nehemiah is a man who has stayed in Persia, and he's actually the cupbearer to the Persian king Artaxerxes. And the cupbearer, of course, is the one who tastes the food and the drink and so forth of the king to make sure it's not poisoned. So he'd be a trusted confidant, somebody who sees the king several times a day. And so he's got a really high position. You would assume they'd pay a cupbearer well. They wouldn't want him to be vulnerable to a bribe or whatever to kill the king. So, uh, so this is his situation. And so would you read uh, the words of Nehemiah from verse 1 to verse 3 of chapter 1? The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, during the month of Kislev in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and questioned, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. They said to me, The remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. We're going to see a lot of really good things about Nehemiah and a great role that he played. But I'd like for us to start seeing into Nehemiah's character and attitude. Here's a man who's doing very well in Persia. And yet he asked the question when one of his brothers from Judah came, how are things going back there? How are my fellow Jews doing back in Jerusalem? And he reports that the wall is broken, the gates are burned, and they're in great distress and reproach. The thing that I'm impressed by in Nehemiah, and that is that he cared. Yeah. So many people are only focused on themselves. They don't care about anybody else or anything else that God's concerned with. But he wanted to know, how are my brethren back in Jerusalem doing? Yeah, that, that's really cool. I mean, how many of us, uh, if we had a job like that, we might would want to dismiss that and forget all about it and move on. And feel like it's not my problem. Right. But it's, it, Nehemiah takes it personally. In verse 4, when I heard these war, words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. goes ahead in chapter 1 and cites his prayer. We, we get to read it. But he's so upset. He's so concerned even though he himself is personally doing just fine in Persia. But he's concerned about his brethren back in Jerusalem. He's concerned about the house of God that's not defended and things like that. And so it really shows his, his concern and it shows his reliance on God. He's a man of prayer. We see that throughout the whole book. And that's a very encouraging thing about him. So in the very end of chapter one, now I was the cupbearer to the king. So after about four months of prayer, he comes in before Artaxerxes one day, and Artaxerxes detects that he's sad. 
and asked him about that. You are not supposed to be sad in the presence of the king. It should be that the king's presence always makes you delighted. Yeah. So that was kind of risky for him to show that. Maybe he hadn't intended to. But uh, he has to respond to the king. And in verse 3, he says, Let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? So he lets him know that he's really upset about what's happened in his home city, particularly that it's desolate, the gates are consumed by fire. Now, what we know from Ezra chapter 4 is that the reason that these walls had not been rebuilt is because of an order from Artaxerxes, this very same king. And so this is getting into really dangerous territory. You do notice that Nehemiah does not at first even tell him what city it is that he was talking about. <laughs> I, I had about. not noticed that before, yeah. But, uh, but still, this is, this is dangerous territory because it's his decree that had stopped the rebuilding of the walls back a few years before. And so the king said to me in verse 4, what would you request? Well, is he going to be bold enough to, to ask for help with building the walls? He says, so I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleased the king and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. It's interesting that right there in the middle of the conversation with the king, he prays. Now, as we said, Nehemiah is a man of great prayer. And, and I'm assuming he didn't drop down on his knees and bow his head and speak for 30 minutes to God. He's probably praying mentally as he's speaking to the king. But it's something that I don't do nearly enough. In the middle of conversations, in the middle of situations, to briefly talk to God, to ask his help, to ask, ask his guidance. But Nehemiah does that. And it ends up the king says, okay, if you'll tell me when you'll be back. And Nehemiah does something else that's really impressive to me. You know, when I do something a little bold or courageous and somebody agrees, I immediately pull back. I don't want to ask for anything more. I've already gone far enough. But he asked for more. He, after all, a half-built wall is not going to provide security. So he asked for letters of safe passage to be able to go through the provinces until he gets to Jerusalem. And he asked for letters to the keeper of the king's forest to be able to give him timber to make the beams for the gates and the walls and so forth. So he thought through what he needs and he's willing to be bold enough to ask for what he needs, even though the king could have reacted badly to that. But every, the king granted them to me, notice in the end of verse 8, because the good hand of my God was on me. You see that about Nehemiah. He's always giving the credit to God for what happens. So that's, that's a big step right there for him to have the courage and boldness to talk to the king like that. Yeah, and so for those four months where it looks like he was not only praying, he had been planning ahead, here's exactly what I'm going to ask for, and effective praying needs to be backed up with our want and desire to execute God's plan. Amen. So he comes to Jerusalem, and he takes a night inspection tour of Jerusalem. Now he does this at night because he doesn't want anybody to know. It seems to me like he wants to be well informed of what the situation is before he presents it to the people. Another very wise idea. Yes. And so then would you read verses 17 and 18? This is what he says to the people. So I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned. Come, let's rebuild Jerusalem's walls so that we will no longer be a disgrace. I told them how the gracious hand of my God had been on me and what the king had said to me. And they said, let's start rebuilding. And their hands were strengthened to do this great work. So he talks to the people, he tells them about their situation, and he doesn't just blame them, 
He offers to pitch in with them, let us arise and build, and they were willing to do that. So here's a man who's bold before the king, he's bold before the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he's willing to spearhead the effort to get those walls rebuilt to protect the house of God. Now, as he does that, there are enemies. There are the people that were there in that area who had incited Artaxerxes to put a stop to the rebuilding of the walls, and they're not happy about this. They accuse them of rebelling, uh, rebelling against the kings, the king. But Nehemiah answered in verse 20, the God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion, right or memorial in Jerusalem. Again, you see him relying on God. He's not saying we're strong enough to do this. He's saying God's strong enough to make it happen. So that's just really encouraging and, and a great start to the Nehemiah's story of rebuilding the walls. Mm -hmm. So then in chapter three, if you just scan through chapter three, you have a list of a lot of names. And these are the names of various people and family heads and so forth that were rebuilding on different sections of the walls, repairing different gates and so forth. And what you see is it was quite a collaborative project. Yeah. You had people who were perfumers for their uh, occupation who were pitching in on this kind Goldsmiths. of thing. Goldsmiths. Yeah, all kinds of kind of unexpected occupations, but this needed to be done, so they pitched in. Yes, it's every person doing what they can, which is a great lesson for us. It's exactly what God wants us to do as well as we work together in, God, in the body of Christ in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. Just think about what it says here. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. It's every joint, every part working together, all of them rebuilding on the wall. Some of them had undesirable jobs, having to work next to the dung gate, I imagine wouldn't have been the most fun of the jobs, but that's true in the Lord's kingdom. There's things that they might not be the most glamorous looking, but they're things that need to get done. There were the Tekoites who worked despite the fact that their leaders refused to, mm -hmm. and they even took another section of the wall yeah, in verse so 27. Several people who pulled double duty when they finished theirs, they went and worked with someone else. So you just see a great deal of leadership on Nehemiah's part to get everybody working together on building the wall. There were a lot of challenges. Those enemies didn't take no for an answer. They continued to ridicule and to threaten and to threaten and to threaten and to threaten. And it finally got to the point where uh, the people would carry an, a weapon in one hand and uh, a building instrument in the other, and they continued to build on that wall. They did not let the opposition stop them. We're going to get you know, threats, and we're going to get uh, opposition whenever we're doing what's right. Satan will see to that. We have to be determined to continue working for the Lord no matter what the obstacles or dangers are. Yeah, amen. And so, and then there were the issues, you know, with everybody working on the wall, they're not working on their farms, they're not working on their businesses, and so they're not making any money. Right. And that creates a big problem because you've got people who owed money and they're not able to pay their mortgage and, and people are, are suggesting they're going to foreclose or they're going to take their children as slaves in payment of debt and things like that. And so that creates a big internal squabble. And Nehemiah shows leadership in that as well. He's willing to deal with that. He's willing to take the lead in not charging interest to the people on the loans that they'd given and so forth. And you just see him continually seeking the Lord in his will, willing to make sacrifices, willing to work hard and get that wall rebuilt. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many good qualities in Nehemiah. We're going to see in a minute that the job was accomplished in record time. 
But it didn't just happen. It was because of Nehemiah and it was because of the Lord and his reliance on the Lord. Mm -hmm. So in chapter 6, the enemies are getting desperate. They're panic-stricken. This wall is getting rebuilt. And that's why they continue, you know, seeking other means of trying to distract the Israelites. They want Nehemiah to come down for a big powwow on the plains of Ono. They were not planning on him getting there. They were planning to ambush him on the way. But Nehemiah just says, no, 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 no. Finally, a fifth time, they give him an open letter, and he says, no. You appreciate the fact that he doesn't compromise. Mm -hmm. Satan is going to test us and tempt us persistently. And we have to be willing to say no over and over and over again. Sometimes we think, I might as well just give in to temptation and get it over with. <laughs> of course, it never gets it over with. No. You know, you never get it out of your system. You just put it in your system when yeah. you submit to temptation. Yeah. But, but it's an illustration of what Satan does because he does, you know, persistently seek to stop us from doing what's right. And then, of all things, you've got this little incident in uh, chapter 6. Would you read verses 10 through 13? I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was restricted to his house. He said, let's meet at the house of God inside the temple. Let's shut the temple doors because they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you tonight. But I said, should a man like me run away? How can someone like me enter the temple and live? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him because of the prophecy he spoke against me. Tobiah and Samballot had hired him. He was hired so that I would be intimidated, do as he suggested, sin, and get a red, bad reputation in order that they could discredit me. Wow, they use his friends too. They use this Shemaiah guy to say, hey, we better hide out in the temple. They're going to get you tonight. Yeah. We want to be protected. Well, that sounded like a good idea, except for one thing. Yeah. Nehemiah has no business being in the temple. <laughs> right. And he's not going to do wrong to try to save his life. He says, should a man like me flee and could one such as I go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. We need to have be people of principle and character. We do the right thing no matter what. We are determined to serve God and please him regardless of the threat level or regardless of the reward to be gained. We do what's right. We always do God's will. And he realized God hadn't sent him. This was a whole deal cooked up by his enemies to try to discredit him. And they'd be able to then point to the evil report that he'd, as a non-priest, gone into the temple and, and discredited him like that. So the fact that he was wise and that he was committed to doing the right thing no matter what kept him out of big trouble. Mm -hmm. yep. Lots of great qualities on his part. So look at verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month Elul in 52 days. Wow. Now, if you think about it, the wall had been torn down back in uh, the destruction of Jerusalem mm -hmm. in about 586. They had come back in about 538. We're down now to like 445. So we're talking about 90 years after they came back, maybe 150 years nearly after it had been torn down. 52 days! Yeah. Who would have ever thought that wall could be rebuilt in 52 days? Yeah. But as it said at the beginning, these people put their heads and their minds together for the good work. 
Absolutely. It took the cooperative effort of all of them. It took Nehemiah's leadership, but above all, it took the blessing of God that Mm -hmm. Nehemiah is constantly requesting and constantly acknowledging. He recognizes that this is the temple built from the hand of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it's a great lesson for us. We need to exercise leadership in doing the things God wants us to do, trusting and depending on God, committing to doing that, involving others who are committed to the Lord, and working together to accomplish the projects the Lord has for us. Thank you for listening to the It Is Written podcast. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to share with us, feel free to send Gary an email at garyfisher1063 at gmail.com. We hope you have a blessed day.